Hey, this is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, in search of the church the way Jesus meant it to be. This week on the show, we are continuing our discussion on discipleship. So far in the series, we've talked about how the church measures success, and we talked about the need for more dedicated disciples and not necessarily more Christians. Then we moved into a discussion about what a disciple is, and we defined terms, and we talked about a disciple being somebody who imitates Christ and is actually a twin of Christ. And now today on the show, we're going to be diving into what it actually looks like to follow Jesus in the 21st century. It's a pretty common thing in North America to hear Christians say, I'm a follower of Jesus. But when we get into what Jesus actually said about what it takes to follow him, a lot of us are not measuring up. In reality, we all want to be in the center of God's will and follow the direction he has for our lives. But doing so practically can be a challenge. And that's what we want to discuss today. How do we practically follow Jesus in our day-to-day lives in the 21st century? This isn't stuff you're likely to hear anywhere else, and that's why we're called The Uncommon Truth. So sit back, relax, and get ready for it. All right, so I'm back here with Steve Orsillo. We're, we're in the upper room at the church. It's another hot one, and the air conditioner is, is struggling to keep up with us once again. But uh, we're going to be here talking discipleship for the next little bit, so we're glad you're here to join us. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Good to be here, man. So where we left off last week, we were talking about the definition of discipleship and and what a disciple is. And we got to the point of saying uh, a disciple is somebody who bears a family resemblance to Jesus. And the word goes back to, in the Greek, an identical twin, really somebody that's that can't, you can't tell the difference between. Yeah, they use it to describe that. Right. And and so we asked the question: Was is that the standard for all Christians, or is that just is that just for you know our super Christians? Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately for for me, you know that's not that's not just uh, the Bible doesn't say that, right? It's, it's a minimum standard. It's the yeah, right. So so now we're we're at the point. Well, discipleship is to become like Jesus. That's right. How do we do that? Christ like. It's and so the answer is follow him. Great. That, that's what we're going to be discussing here. How? How do we follow him? Mm. So what does that practically look like? I think, I think most Christians would... I get, most Christians that I talk to would consider themselves by, by believing, by, by signing up on the team, basically, as followers of Jesus, and more so as a name. I know I called myself a follower of Jesus, even in times where I wasn't being discipled by, right. by him or anyone else. And I think I called myself a follower of Jesus when I wasn't a part of a community that was going after Jesus. And I kind of had my own ideas about yeah. what following Jesus was going to be like. Um, I think a lot of that comes from I'm naturally independent and I'm, pretty, I'm pretty, pretty good at figuring stuff out on my own. And so I lean on that a lot. But what that, what that did for me was basically this is my definition of what following Jesus yeah. is. And I, I think I see a lot of people that are, are in that same position where I've, I'm coming, trying to come out of, of that. Um, I'm following Jesus the way I think I should be following Jesus. Well, you know, there's many streams. In Christianity, you got people who believe in the Holy Spirit moving today and those who don't. There are Bible worshipers and there are spirit worshipers and Father, Heart of God people. And there's, there's just, there's those that chase miracles and those that don't. 
there are those that believe in many different things in, in that make up all of the people that call themselves Christian, wearing robes, wearing suits, wearing cutoff shorts and tennis shoes. I mean, it's a wide range from hymnals right. to contemporary Christian to soul to rockabilly gospel and yeah. so many different values. So many, so look, it's worse than, you know, I don't mean worse in a negative way. It's like uh, 31 flavors of ice cream, you know, yeah. all Baskin different Robbins. kinds. It's like all different kinds. And so someone comes to me, they're sitting in front of me and they ask me that question. How do you? become a disciple of Jesus? How do you know you're a disciple of Jesus and not a disciple of some harebrained idea? Mm -hmm. How do you know you're not wrong? Well, I have a long history of not being satisfied with my Bible reading. When I read, it challenged me, and I know this goes against what I believe. When you come How up, yeah, you come to that. a verse and it says you're going to cut off your hand or you're going to you're going to you know can't turn back and you can't do this and then it's like a buried treasure that a man sells all that he has and I'm like I don't I don't sell all that I have to obtain the gospel. Mm -hmm. I don't search all my life for the pearl. I, I mean uh, the kingdom of I mean uh, you know just misinterpretations because that's not what it means anyway but Yeah. I just there's so many times i would read and say well i don't do that i don't live that way I'm, that doesn't fit my theology and then i'd read what the apostles said they are brutal they are straightforward straight up calling you to a higher plane a higher commitment they are dedicating themselves to have nothing to do with the immoral brother and i'm like i don't do that i hang out with immoral brothers all the time <laughs> And so I think first and foremost, do I know I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? I have to ask myself, is my life lining up with what I read, or do I say, well, we'll just move on from that one. I don't agree with right. that one, or I don't like that one, or I'm not doing that one. And I believe I have successfully found that pattern that will cause you to be not only a disciple of Jesus Christ, but to know you are one. And it, it comes back to um, Jesus and how many times he said, heaven and earth will pass away, my words will not pass away. Yeah, My words will judge you in John chapter 12. I won't judge you, my words will judge you. Man, think about that for a minute. All that stuff he said that I'm passing on, he's going to judge me. What did I do with it? Yeah. You know, did I lay down my life for my brother? Did I seek to own my own life? losing my soul did i seek everything for me was i selfish was i sinful was i pride was i judgmental did i forgive as i have been forgiven or am i going to have my debt placed on me like that chapter 18 of matthew says will i be put in prison until i repay every debt i owe because i refuse to forgive my brother it says that's how your heavenly father's going to deal with you if you don't forgive your brother. You know, I mean, heck, let's pass that one on. And I know that if if I want to know that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, I think first I should know his words. Yeah. What's he saying? And I'm shocked. I'm sorry, but I asked 117 leaders. I finally quit because I couldn't. I quit. 
I asked 117 Christian leaders, what did Jesus command us? And 117 people said, he commanded us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 117 in a row got it wrong. When he said that, he was answering the question, what are the two greatest commandments in the law? Yeah, I remember that. What he said was how you get eternal life, and what he, he said, this I command you, was that you love one another as I have loved you, and you believe in the one he sent. It's like, believe in Jesus and love one another as Jesus has loved you. And I didn't, I didn't get that answer once in 117. Got argued with, and yet yeah. it's there. The guy asks, what are the two greatest commandments in the law? And we're trying to live those two greatest commandments in the law. It's not what he said. He was answering his question. And I, I just like, people just don't know what it says. People just don't know what it says. So I have met people like you. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I said this to you because I've said it to so many. I've said it to so many people. I don't know who I've said it to. But I just told them, what I want you to do is go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Put all letters away, silence all noise in your life, and just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you're done with that, go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And just for good measure, read it a fourth time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read it from the same translation, a good translation, not a paraphrase. And read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John four times in a row, adding the three letters in the book of Revelation, the, the three chapters, the seven letters, Jesus writing to the church what he likes and doesn't like, mm -hmm. what he's going to do and what will cause you to be saved. Then make a commitment that while you're reading it, you don't want to ever say, let's just pass that one up, or right. I don't do that. Begin to let your life be convicted and changed to come to the, the, the truth. Give to any man that asks. Forgive your brother the sins against you. I mean, it, some of them are pretty simple and some of them are pretty hard. Seek the kingdom of heaven and be willing to give and sell all that you have to possess it. It's like so, so clear. Well, yeah, when, when I did that, what became apparent to me was how, how far I had to go still, how far I, I, or how much I did not measure up to the things that Jesus said, right? Yeah. And the ironic thing is, for so many years in reading the Bible, spending every, every morning, basically, I'd, I'd wake up and read the Bible. Yeah. And when when it came time when I'd get done with a study, a book, or you know, like a book in the Bible or a different devotional or something, I would think to myself, "What should I study next?" Well, I, you know, Romans is really good, or James, or you know, that's or all maybe good I'll stuff. go right, all all great stuff. It's in there, but I I can't think of a time after after I became a Christian that I was just like, "Man, I really need to dig into the Gospels again." That's what I always I would always tell kids. All right, when you when you get your free Bible from camp after you just raised your hand and accepted Jesus, we're going to go back to the cabin and we're going to read through the Gospels. Right. We're, that's and so I I preach that, but as I was reading it with children or teaching cabin leaders to read it with children, I wasn't really reading it for myself. I was I was thinking this is uh, this is the basics, and I already know this. I need to get into the the nitty gritty. The nitty gritty and. But when I, I came back to that, that was part of my school of transformation uh, when I got here. 
And actually before, when I first started kind of testing to see the the sermons I would hear online here at the Father's house when I was still in Canada, I'd read the, the Gospels and be like, wow, I never knew it said that. Or I, I remember that it said that, but I, I had been calling it something else or thinking of it yeah. differently because it's been so long since I actually Did you feel like that. a fog had been lifted from your brain, like, yeah. like the way you read it before? It didn't mean what it's meaning all of a sudden? Yeah. Like the well, fog lifted, like the veil. It even promises there's a veil that will be lifted by the truth of Jesus Christ, that you'll be able to see the truth better. It says that. It did feel that way. And it felt like the same. It felt like the same feeling I had when I first became a Christian and was reading it for the first time. That's right. Because I, I had just taken it for granted that I knew who Jesus was and how to follow Him right. well. Right. And and I'm I'm very much like a I'm a logical sort of. I want to read. I want to study. And I had been doing all that stuff. I know how to study the Bible right. and read read context and hermeneutics and all the the nerd stuff but i wasn't applying it to the words of jesus and and when it hit me it was like trying to start a race at step four instead of right at step one and and i was stumbling never ending story you 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 have a race to run that will never end because these things jesus said they're like life changing forever you will be struggling to do them your whole life you will be working to do them your whole life it's like you look and there's this never-ending staircase of further up and farther in. Every time you get one down, new elements of it arise for you to even take it further, the same principle, further and further, deeper and deeper. It is like it, it permeates every aspect of your life. And how many times he said these words will do this to you? Because if any man who hears these sayings of mine, these words of mine, and acts upon them is like a man who built his house on the rock. You know, the fruit of being a disciple is that adversity, wind and waves, storms of life don't knock you off your rock. They don't even, they don't even move your rock. They, they, you come through your rock retaining your joy and peace, mm. your patience, kindness, and goodness, your love, your hope, your joy. It's amazing to see the apostles. So then you go read the apostles after Jesus who were putting into application what Jesus taught. And they're saying stuff like those who walk by the flesh do this and those who walk by the spirit do this. And anybody who does this, 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 and this will not see the kingdom of heaven. And like, who, who's talking about that? Yeah, not, not many people today. It's very dangerous. Because when you don't start with the words of Jesus... And then you skip on to the words of the apostles and the rest of the New Testament. You don't have the right context. It's like listening to one podcast that we've done, but you haven't, you know, we say last week we talked about this and, and building, building a case off this week's episode, you didn't listen to last week's where we laid the foundation, right? They are, they're all going back to, this is what he said when I was with him, and let me break that down for you now in real life because he said this and i know what he meant and i think we were reading the interpretation but we weren't reading or i wasn't reading the foundational stuff because that that's one of the points that i've heard you make who who gets to decide what following jesus is like jesus does yeah it's jesus does. <laughs> and then and next if you want to see how that how that actually plays out in a life even though it's a life 2000 years ago you you read the guys who put those 
words into practice and then taught others how to do it, right? That's right. So so what do those what do those guys say like Paul talking to Timothy or to to some of the churches or Peter writing his letters? What what do they say about what it takes to follow Jesus? What it takes to follow Jesus is find a man who follows Jesus and follow him. So you got Peter who did 3 years with him. I don't think most people today believe that they need to follow Peter. And yet Peter made all the same colossal mistakes we're making today. He cuts off ears and denies. See, he tells Jesus, "There's I forbid you to go to Jerusalem and die. Hmm. You will not go to you will that will not Far happen to you." How wrong could Peter be? That has to happen to him. How far off base of understanding. Then later you read the the stories of Peter. You read the books of Peter, the letters, and you go, that dude got it. You read in Acts the stories of Peter, that dude got it. Well, he didn't get it right away. He floundered and struggled and sunk, walked on water and sunk, and he blurted out, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the next thing he knows, it says, is I forbid you to go to Jerusalem. I, God forbid you, and that will never happen to you. You're not going to be suffering, dying, and raising. Well, so glad Peter was wrong, and Jesus said, yeah. get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Very same guy that he said, man did not reveal that to you, but heaven revealed that to you. The next thing he says to him is, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, it's a pretty quick flip-flop. Flip-flop. See, Peter's back and forth. He's just like you and me, but he crossed over. He crossed over in the Holy Spirit. The understanding came to him on the beach, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. you. What you did before the rooster crowed. I don't hold that against you. Yeah, he didn't look. He didn't really look very much like Jesus no. when he was following him on no. earth. That's right. He didn't but look then, at all like him. Then he receives the spirit of Christ <clears throat> in the upper room, and then goes out very, very that minute basically, and goes out and preaches to three thousand people. Yeah, does it? And it's it's completely the same. I know challenging Pharisees, challenging the power that he was afraid of at the campfire. The very authority he was afraid of and denied Jesus for the next, he's preaching and calling, saying they killed the Messiah. And he's calling people forward and he's amazing. And then the world calls us Christians because of Peter. Peter's one of the guys they saw and said, he looks like Jesus, little anointed ones. And now we call ourselves Christians, even whether we're lookalikes or not. Mm -hmm. So, the way is follow somebody who understands Jesus. Just like I said, if you want to be a carpenter, learn from a carpenter. Find someone who is a Christian, a Jesus-like guy, mm-hmm. and learn how to be Jesus-like. But you can't possibly choose a man who's Jesus-like if you're listening to that man tell you who Jesus is like. You have to go find out what Jesus looks like to find a man who and looks like notes. Jesus. Yeah. That's why I say... When men come to me, when people, women come to me, when people come to my church, I say, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody. Don't re- quit reading books. Quit watching sermons on TV. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God has given us a phenomenal thing in the Bible. The Bible is the tool to end all tools. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible is the revealing of God's Son. He will reveal himself to you if you'll silence the noise and read Jesus's words first and read it in order. Read Jesus's words, then the apostles who followed Jesus, then read the whole Bible to find out who God is because he doesn't change. 
and look at what you've escaped through grace. Look at how much grace has afforded you. We'll just go read Judges and and um, Josh Joshua and Judges, and you'll be yeah. shocked at what you've escaped from the grace of God being forgiven by the blood of the Lamb, by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, by what is it the payment payment for our sins? And so you find someone who understands these things, that righteousness is a thing to be pursued. Righteousness is a thing to want. And to live holy and to live righteous, you may not you may not make it very well, but you're trying, you're working at it, and it's amazing how that multiplies. Once you find someone who's ahead of you on the walk and you begin to imitate them and you begin to listen to them and let them teach you because they know, you become a person that others can follow right? and that you can teach and that they can become someone who knows because you're someone who knows because you followed someone who knows, who listened to someone who knew Jesus. Yeah, and, and so he, he tells us that in, at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe what I've commanded you, what right? What I have commanded you. And so... That that's what he says, and and I think most Christians would be able to say, "Well, tell me the Great Commission," and they could paraphrase it for you pretty well. But when when you're not a disciple, like I I wasn't a disciple of of anyone, I was doing things on my own. Right? How am I going to go and make disciples if I don't know how to be a disciple? It's it's just like you saying, you know, go build a house. Well, follow a carpenter who knows how to build a house. You know, there's the apprenticeship program and the you know, becoming a journeyman and all that stuff that you yeah. have to go through. We understand that because we can see house building, but we we don't get the discipleship thing because it's not it's not a physical thing that you can see. You think, mm-hmm. well, I've I, I'm a Christian. I should be able to just go out and and make disciples. Uh, but it just it just isn't like that. Yeah. So when you find someone that seems to be following the words of Jesus, someone you can follow and imitate, someone who behind closed doors, they are in secret, who they say they are in public, and that what they say they do, they prove that they do. They live their faith in front of you, and you follow them. What will happen is you'll begin to understand that the, the, your number one pursuit in life is to be in the center of God's will. And everybody wants to be in the center of God's will, but most people want to write that will for themselves to be in the center of. Right. When the truth is we really need to be in the center of whatever his will is. And I don't think that the best way to be in the center of God's will is to wait till he picks you up and places you in it. I believe it is up to him to get me wherever he wants me to go and to make it clear that's where he wants me to go. But what I have found is the most reliable way not to end up in the wrong place at the wrong time is to listen to men who bear the fruit of following Jesus. I would call that men of good fruit. Mm-hmm. What is a man of good fruit? First and foremost, he's a man who has peace and patience and kindness and goodness in his life. Not that he never doesn't, but that he mostly does. Yeah. And that he has it in a way that it becomes a spectacle. Can he live in adversity? Does everything go good in his life and that's why he praises the Lord every day? Or does he praise the Lord when things don't go so well? When someone backs into his car, when he backs into someone else's car, Mm -hmm. when bad things happen, or even way more serious things than that. Things like deathly diseases, death, sickness, ailment, weakness, failure, 
huge failure on the behalf of loved ones or something, does his faith disappear? Does, you know, I watch people that I think are awesome and sometimes they go into adversity and they quit writing about Jesus. They quit talking about him. Yeah. He no longer is the focus of their life. He no longer is the point. And you know, well, their faith needed to be tested. It really did because their faith was in something wrong. Whatever it was their faith in was in crumbled with their adversity. Mm -hmm. Whereas a person whose faith is planted on the words of Jesus, on the way, the truth, and the life, and the hope that is within us, the presence of God in our life, the Father and the Son making his home in us, the just, oh, peace that passes understanding, the goodness and mercy of God. When our faith is in him, when we live it by giving a dollar more than we can afford, over-volunteering, stretching ourselves thin, that kind of stuff, working ourselves to the bone and believing that we can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, believing these things and seeing them work in our life. I guarantee you adversity comes to those people's lives and they keep talking about Jesus. They cry out, oh Lord, save me. Yeah, they cry many tears. They will show you the torture, but they will also tell you of the encounters, the close encounters they've had like never before in their life. He came near to them. He ministered to their wounds. He did not rescue them from their wounds in some cases. I don't don't get all that. I look forward to knowing that. But in some cases he didn't. And their faith stayed, not only stayed where it was, but grew. They were blessed to be his servants and his disciples in the midst of their trial and tribulation. It's that old story where the guy's sleeping in bed, and I don't remember which which story this is, who this is about. I've been told it's Smith Wigglesworth, but I've also been told a lot of other people. Sleeping in bed on a missionary journey, and he's speaking at a hotel and in a conference room, and he's sleeping in the bed. Here's this horrible noise. He wakes up, rolls over, and there's the devil, just vicious and mean, nine feet tall, slobbering, looking at him, fire in his eyes, you know, sword in his hand, just menacing as heck. He looks at him and says, oh, it's just you. Rolls over and goes back to sleep. And I know that for most of the people I'm talking about in my life, like with the you know, the seizure diseases and the cancers and leukemias, that is really the nature they're fighting for, the ability to say, you know, do your worst. Yeah. The Lord is good. No matter what you do to me, the Lord is good. You, you know, he is good I believe in him. The assurance of my salvation will be that I love him. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I love him. I'm staying on it. If I have to crawl, if all my limbs fall off from disease, I am am rolling forward towards him. (laughs) I am called according to his purpose. And I am whatever strength there is, breath there is, life there is, I'm called according to his purpose. I'm I'm living in his purpose, not mine. Yeah. My purpose was to run in the woods with my my feet and be and swing my arms, but since they're all gone, I'm going to roll in the woods yeah. and cry out for his mercy, but I'm also going to declare his faithfulness and his goodness to me. He owes me nothing. He, I don't deserve anything. I owe him everything. And whatever I've got, I'm, I'm using for him. Yeah. The assurance of my salvation is that I love him. It, it is a given that he loves me, but he loves everyone. And his love is not going to keep them from being judged. 
my love is going to keep me from being judged. Because my love is this, that I, if you love him, you obey him. You want to know who loves him? It's the one who obeys him. Well, I'm reading the words of Jesus, and I'm going to follow. In that commission, he says, make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I commanded them. Well, what did he command them? 117 people in a row got that wrong that I asked. Yeah. Leaders, not one has ever answered it right. So I quit asking because it just got too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe it. Have you not read what he commanded? This I command you, love one another as I have loved you. Boom. Just as I have loved you, you love one another. Laying down your lives one for another. Whoa, now that is the assurance of my salvation, that I observe all that he commanded, and I love the least of these my brethren in a, in a strong, physical, spiritual, emotional way, that I give of my time and energy and life, my money, my, my future, my everything. I serve the Lord with what I have to try to see a better place for people to find Jesus, know Jesus, be delivered from our enemies, be healed from our... I mean, I want to see more healing, but whether I do or whether I don't, he's true. Yeah. 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 It's it's not his will that's the problem. It's my interpretation of his will that's the problem, my unwillingness, you know. And so I believe that you want to get things right, you don't know what to do, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then find men of good fruit and follow them. Do what they tell you. I don't care if they stand you to tell you to stand in the corner on your head. Ask yourself what's their motive. If they promise, if they're men of good fruit and they promise you, I'm doing this to help you, then just stand in the corner going, this will help me, Mm because they said it would. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, when you're talking about determining someone of good fruit to follow, somebody, you you sum it up, you said, "Learn learn what Jesus said about how to follow him and who he is. Yeah. And then you match that up with somebody who's living those words out, or aiming to live those aiming, words out. Yeah. Right. Because we're all going Wholeheartedly. to we're all going to slip up. Yeah. But all by the wayside. But if you know, thinking of summer camp and archery and we're thinking about our, our own dreams of having a camp here at the father's house and and uh, the the uh, you know every time you aim with your bow and your arrow at the target, you don't hit the target every single time. No. But you definitely don't hit the target when you turn your back to the target and fire it the other way, right? That's right. And so you and that's the point. Yeah. So you want to find somebody who's aiming at the target every yeah. time, yeah. and probably someone who's getting close to the target every time. Right. Right. It, more often than not. I think so, that what you just said is one of the biggest misnomers in Christianity today. That every miss is forgiven. And it's not. Paul the Apostle says in uh, Romans 6, I think, about doing what he doesn't want to do. If he does what he doesn't want to do, which is miss, he misses when he doesn't want to miss, it's forgivable. But if he does what he wants to do, misses on purpose, it's not forgivable. Right. And what we, since sin is an archery term, like you've said, if I'm shooting the other way, I'm not trying to hit the target. If I'm just slinging arrows out into the sky, I'm not trying to hit a target. Yeah, it's the one that is aiming that misses, whose sin is almost automatically forgiven. And those are the people we want to go after. That's right? the well. The, that's the person I want to be. Right, aiming at the target. That's who I want to inspire people to be. People who aim at the target. Mm-hmm. Around me, all around me, this this neighborhood here is so dysfunctional. It's unbelievable, and it's hard to find someone that doesn't believe in Jesus. 
in words, but they're yeah. not aiming at the target. Yeah. They're flinging arrows in any direction other than the target. They're trying not to aim at the target so they can just say, hey, my sins are forgiven me. Well, it's really going to be sad because if you're not aiming at the target, you cannot be forgiven. Yeah. Your so, misses are all forgiven if you're aiming. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. And and I, I was thinking about that, finding somebody who, so somebody who stands adversity well. Uh, two things came to my mind. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about how uh, if you if you want to find out if there's rats in your basement, you don't uh, go stomping your feet down the stairs and then you know say rats. I'm going to open the door now and then turn on the lights and open the door. Oh, look, no rats. Right. You you go, you know, three, two, one, silently fling open the door and and turn on your flashlight and you can watch those things scurry. Right. And it's and it's like uh, you're a builder. You've probably hit your thumb a bunch of times with a hammer. Right. What comes out of your mouth when you hit your with you hit your thumb with a hammer? Probably was a lot different forty years ago than it is yesterday, right? I hope that's so. different. <laughs> I haven't hit my thumb lately, but I hope so. Well, that's because you're a good carpenter. You got other people slinging hammers. Oh yeah, that's that's why more than that, I'm a good accurate <laughs> hammer swinger, which. Yeah. You know, I I just don't swing it much. I tell others to swing it. Yeah, that's the key there. Swing it less, you'll hit less thumbs. But back to you, what your point is. Well, yeah. Am I changed? Yeah, and I am. And I I think of one more thing. So it's been five years since I've been married to my wife. One of our first dates. um, Lucky man. It just happened to be playoffs, NFL playoffs. And I'm not a huge NFL fan, but I'm I've been a Broncos fan. Like yeah. my earliest pictures I'm wearing a John Elway jersey. I love I love the Broncos. And so we went it you know, we said we'll have a date on this time and it just happened to be the the playoff game. And so I was like, Would it be crazy if you wore my extra jersey and we'll we'll go watch this Broncos game? Well it ended up being the the game that the the Broncos lost in overtime and it was like it was a like I think it was a double overtime game. We invested a lot of time watching this football game, and then they lose, and we still had things we were gonna go hang out, like go ice skating and stuff. And and I remember her telling me a lot later. She was like, "I was really impressed how how you were so much more into me than you were to that loss. That loss of that football te- team could have ended that night, and we could have just gone our separate ways and be like, well, I guess I'll see you next time. I'm not really in the mood to hang out. Right. But it just, we just had a great night, and that's something super little, right? But it was the way I treated her after after my football team was eliminated from the playoffs, and you know, we were all like, Peyton Manning's here. We're going to win the Super Bowl, and, yeah. and then we get you know, upset and... Yeah, we just we just kept going and I was like, man, okay. So, I guess I'm I'm on the right track a little bit with one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I she married you, you got yeah. three kids. You well, that was right. that was one thing. So, like I see the fruit and in her life and I think she, it came from seeing other people reacting in similar situations the wrong way, right? right, right. And um and so then then I was allowed to get a little bit closer. She gave me more trust because I wasn't going to put her or a football game above her right right and uh i don't know that's a really silly example of of testing <laughs> fruit in someone's life but yeah. um i th- i know i know this idea of following another human towards jesus yeah, on the on the path of jesus searching for that narrow door that's not popular right it, it's not popular to say but every single person does it what do you mean 
Uh, there is no such thing as a Christian who believes that the Bible has any truth that isn't following another man. Okay. Yeah. All you got to do is just flip the Bible open to the New Testament, go to the top of the page, and tell me what's on top. Someone's name. Someone's name. That was written by someone inspired by God. Okay. Say, yeah, that's... <laughs> you, believe, you, read that, you read that and believe it, you're following a man. God did not with his finger write that. That only happened once on tablets of stone. And we're not reading that. Yeah. We're reading what a man took a pen and wrote down, and we're trusting it came from God. Inspired by God, and so every single human does it. It is, it is a trip. You know, I follow, I've, I have no problem saying that I am a disciple of Paul the Apostle. He is my hero in the faith. And then Peter is also, and John, they are my three favorite humans that have ever lived on the face of the earth that weren't Jesus, you know? Mm. I don't know how you can take a whip and, and be singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. I don't know how the man who had you beat says, you stop teaching Jesus. And they can say, well, listen, as for beatings and prison or jail, you, you got to decide that. We, we got to preach Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how they do that. Paul the Apostle, after his first 40 lashes minus one for mercy, they gave what they, that was a common sentence, 40 lashes. They'd do 39 and they wouldn't swing the 40th hmm. for mercy. After his first, why didn't he go crawl in a hole? Why didn't he go to a more friendly place, a place that was more friendly and preach the gospel? He endured the whip five times and still preached in a way that, and still also appealed to Caesar when they could have let him go. Yeah. And he ended up in prison most of his last days, and he ended up suffering in those prisons, and he ended up having his head cut off. They're my heroes. These mm -hmm. men, I will follow them. And so everyone follows them. We just don't follow them very closely. We don't look at their words in a very contextual manner. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians yeah. and the fivefold ministry. It's such a joke what we've turned that book into. That book is about unity between Jews and Gentile Christians. He's saying we have, you cannot be because you're a Jewish Christian. You're not lording over these guys. They too have the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. That God is placing his spirit in them. Yes, God picks leaders. And he picks these, and he named five leaders God picks. But the whole purpose was unity of faith. Here in Ephesus, you need to have unity of faith. Regardless whether you're a Jew who accepts Jesus as Messiah or a Gentile who gave his life to Jesus. You must understand God is not going to be a respecter of persons. What you need to look at is who walks according to the flesh and who walks according to the spirit. And he goes on in Ephesians to talk about that. What needs to divide, what needs to be your line is who walks by the spirit. Look at a man and judge for yourselves who walks by the spirit. These are the things that a man who walks by the spirit does. These are the things that a man who walks by the flesh does. That book is so easy to understand. It's unbelievable. Yet people use its verses to prove every wrong thing on earth true. And we're back to who, but the unpopular nature of following man. Yeah. Because following man's been abused so much. 
and those who abuse it, the counterfeit, we decide to throw out the baby with the bathwater and yeah. say that only those men. Well, we don't believe very often that it's only those men. Most of the things we believe is that that promise and that inheritance has been passed down for 2100 years i get the same inheritance of eternal life and in this life many times more my own life given you know he mm-hmm. said your reward will be many times more in this life and in the age to come eternal life well i have the same reward paul had i have the same report reward peter and we all most everyone i know believes that but they don't believe that anything else is passed down hmm. the very same people that believe the gifts have passed down some don't but a lot do believe that the gifts are passed down. The same healing is available to us today. The same faith is available to us today, but not the same following of men. Mm-hmm. Paul the Apostle writes a letter, becomes scripture. Peter says the letters of Paul are, should be considered scripture. Peter's letters become scripture, but that ends. Nobody else is, nobody else is speaking mm-hmm. for God. Nobody else follows Jesus. I have no problem not adding to the Bible one iota. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the idea that everybody who says they don't follow man follows man. Yeah. It was even men who canonized the Bible. Yeah. Those letters were placed in a book by a group of, it was quite a few though, it was like hundreds and more than hundreds, you know, of men who canonized this Bible by committee. So what about today? Like when we're talking about following, like there's there's a, a little bit of a difference between uh, following the teachings of of the fathers of the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament, and me following you to see, you know, how you follow Jesus. That that part's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty revolutionary. That's very unpopular in today's world. Yet it is also only a short time ago. Pastors were held in quite a bit of reverence because they were pastors, not because they held a position. When I was growing up, they were called father. They were mm-hmm. called priests. They were callers. They still do. But they were held in this reverence because of a position they held, not the quality of their character, mm-hmm. not the interpretation of the scriptures, not how they lived what they said they believed. What I'm proposing, what I'm talking about, is exactly what Paul was saying, that you judge a man according to the fruit of his life. Can't you see? He said, you got a guy in your church living with his father's wife, carnally. You can't say you can't decide that's wrong. So you can't look at a man and decide that what he lives and how he lives is wrong. It's how you interpret these scriptures and live them and apply them to your life that should cause you to be a man to be followed. How do you live a Christianity that works? Mm-hmm. Do you see adversity and, and retain your peace and patience and kindness and goodness in life? Do you do you walk through hardship? Do you walk through good times and bad? Do you have faith that prevails upon your life? Do you have these things? Well, that's that's more important than a position you hold. Yeah. Someone appoints you pastor, they could appoint you pastor being being a closet um, molester. Mm-hmm. They can appoint you pastor having murdered. And we, we see that. That's yeah, a, and that's, that's plaguing so the they church throw the all baby over. out with the bathwater. Because it's done wrong in some places, therefore it's wrong everywhere? That can't be true. The Bible says it's not. I can tell you it's, it is so many times in the New Testament where the apostles, the letters in the epistles tell us to follow the example of those that live their faith well. Everywhere. Every single epistle that I know of commends the saints for their love for one another and their faith in Jesus Christ. It's so clear. 
It's actions these people have taken. I commend you for your love of one another and your faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of them say something like that, but we don't really highlight that Mm -hmm. because that's their actions. That's us looking at how they live and commending upon it, commenting upon it. And so to me, to follow someone today isn't from a position. You shouldn't follow me because I'm the pastor of this church. You should follow me because you want what I have. You see that in my life, I have a certain faith lived out, and you say, I want that faith lived out. Yeah. My faith lived out causes a whole group of people to want to be my sons and my daughters and want to come walk beside me, not behind me, not under me. Walk beside me as I walk and live as I live and see the world changed around them, see their marriages blessed, their children blessed, their lives blessed, God moving in their life in a way that isn't hyped. We don't even have to talk about it for it to be true. We talk about it to try to tell people this is possible. You want some, you can have it. Here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. But we don't do it to draw a crowd ever. We do it to, to see the glory of God on the face of the earth. We do it to show the life that's blessed in our faith. We we just we do it because of a love for Jesus Christ. We love him and we want to do what he's called us to do. So the reason to follow me is my faith is effective. My life is lived laid down. Mm-hmm. Um that kind of thing. I have something you want. That's, that's why right. the yeah. fruit the fruit shows in my life. And that's why we're or here. Do, or doesn't. Right. You know, and that's why you should or shouldn't follow me. And so that's that's where we got completely screwed up in this deal was we appoint a man based on what I don't know, and then we claim to follow him, and we listen to him, and his words are gods to us. And then he turns out to be a, a, you know, a scoundrel or a faker. So therefore, the process is what's wrong, not the man. And we quit using the process, but the process is exactly what God laid out in the Bible written by men of good fruit, called by God to be men of good fruit, and inspired by God to do so. And so today, he still picks men, calls them, and anoints them to be guides and lights to our path. And he still commands us to follow them, right? That's right. And one of the weird things about this is, I'll say, they'll say Jesus didn't have anyone. I'm like, well, who's Joseph? Why on earth is there a Joseph in Jesus's life? He had a mentor. He had a father. He had a non-biological father in his life. Yeah. They called Jesus the carpenter. Did they just make that up because he's the son of a carpenter? Or because he worked alongside his father? I'd love to hear Joseph's stories in heaven about whether he even had to teach Jesus. Yeah. Did you have to teach him that? Or did he know <laughs> that? Like, like he created this. What's, yeah. Did he remember those things in that body of a child? I'd love to hear the stories. Oh man, he picked up a hammer and just started going. Yeah. He picked up, you know, he 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 understood immediately. I don't know. He knew Greek or whatever. I don't know. He could, you know, he could interpret the scriptures. I I don't know those things. I just know that he had a father in his life. Yeah. And so so, so that's one thing. One. That's that's practically what we're looking for, right? When right. when we're talking about interpreting scripture, finding out what God wants, being in the center of uh, the center of His will, and then allowing Him to show us which direction to go. It's not trusting. It's not going to be trusting ourselves. It's not going to be trusting the voice that I've, that's in my head or some sort of sign. It's going to be talk, uh, trusting Jesus, and I'm going to hear Jesus by 
by somebody who has learned how to hear Jesus a lot longer, uh, been down that path a lot yeah. farther than I have. And that's that's really, as we kind of close, that's kind of why why I'm here and why my wife is here and why we decided to bring our kids here and raise them here is because we want our kids to grow up like your kids. We want our marriage to be like your marriage. Yeah. And, and I'm not just talking about Steve here, I'm talking about the other pastors and yeah. families here the family. who, who have followed you as well. The spiritual and, family. Right. And uh, I see Jordy and the way he raises his kids, and I want, I want to be a dad like him. Yeah. And I want, yeah. I want my wife to be, be empowered and, and to reach her potential like your wife and Jordy's wife, right? And, yeah. uh, and so that's, that's where we bring it all back into real life here in the 21st century. So we, we've taken this from the, the area of what is a disciple, and now we're talking about how do we even follow Jesus to now that we, we are disciples and, and on the path and we're in the process of becoming identical to him, how do we bring people along with us? But that's, that's for next week. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that one. Yeah, right now if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for the show this week. We'll be picking up the theme of discipleship again in a couple weeks with Steve when we talk about our role as individuals and as the big church in making disciples. But next week, you're not going to want to miss it because we've got special guests. Next week, I'll be joined in studio by Duncan and Kate Smith, all the way from Raleigh, North Carolina. Duncan and Kate are the senior leaders of Catch the Fire in Raleigh, North Carolina, as well as presidents of Catch the Fire World, a global church planting organization. They'll be visiting Oroville to tour the Father's House and catch up with some of their friends here, and we got the opportunity to sit down with them for a feature-length podcast. We'll be chatting with them about their journey as leaders in the church, and we'll get some of their perspective on what's going on in the global church and some perspective on how they see Oroville and the Father's House Church, which will be super interesting. Until then, definitely keep up the good work of sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And also, we'd love it if you could go on to iTunes and rate and review us, which will bump us up the podcast rating so people can find us easier. If you want to connect with us, you can go to our website, which is in the show notes below the episode. That's changeoreville.org for the Father's House Church and you can see all our Instagram and Facebook feeds and social media as well as the YouTube channel where you can find our sermons by Stephen Jordy and some of the other pastors here and you can also get on to the School of Transformation website there, transformationschool.org as well as our Life Recovery Ministries and our Project 61 Short Term Mission and all the social medias there We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And this has been The Uncommon Truth.